Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. And welcome to episode 55. I'm Paula Jenkins, a joyful living coach and your host for Jumpstart Your Joy. Today's show is a roundtable discussion with two of my fellow coaches, Laura Heacock and Stephanie Ducharme, and we will be talking about the courage of embracing imperfection. A warm welcome to everyone here today. Thank you so much for coming and listening. If you like what you hear today and you want to subscribe, Jumpstart Your Joy is on iTunes. Google Play Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Player FM, and I will have links to all of them over on the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. If you want to follow along with this episode, you can visit the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 55, and I'll be sharing some links out that Stephanie and Laura and I talk about. A couple of really exciting updates before we get into the roundtable interview. The first is I am so excited to announce that my brand new e-course, Roots and Wings, has launched. This is a class that I am co-teaching with Christy Tenery Spaulding, who's been on the show a couple of times. Roots and Wings is a course to help you discover and define balance from the inside out. Christy and I have partnered on this. She is an expert in breathing and meditation, and I have done a lot of work around the balance and the mindset slash coaching slash how do you get to know yourself from the inside out. So we partnered together for this really awesome class that has six modules where we take you first through your inner landscape and then help you create external processes to support the growth that you want to achieve. There are over 20 exercises in these six modules and we are adding on three live calls so that you'll get to experience the community and the live coaching and all sorts of goodies. So if you'd like to find out more, you can head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com and there'll be links there. We have both a webinar that we did this week where you'll get to see Christy and I in action. You can sign up for that. And if you want to just jump right over and grab a spot in the class, that will be on the homepage too. It's an incredible value, so I really encourage you to go check it out because the cart will be closing for this in October. So check it out now. The other exciting thing that's going on is I am a proud participant in the Courage in Action Telesummit, which just started this week. And it's running September 12th through the 22nd. That's 2016. Each day for those days, there'll be two interviews. And we're all talking about courage and what courage looks like in each of our lives. There are some wonderful guest speakers that we've invited to join us. And so I encourage you to head to the show notes and I will have a link over to Courage in Action. And that is a wonderful segue to my two guests. Today, I have Laura Heacock. She is the creator of the Courage in Action Telesummit, an executive coach and the writer over at Kind Over Matter. And I have Stephanie Ducharme, a confidence coach for equestrians and athletes. The three of us met in coach training, and I'm so excited to have a roundtable type discussion today where we talk about what lies behind perfectionism, why we all create masks of being perfect, 
What happens when we drop that mask and embrace our true selves? What you'll hear is a beautiful discussion about vulnerability, love, kindness, and courage. Two lovely guests, Stephanie Ducharme and Laura Heacock. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of love and laugh. Would you guys like to tell us, maybe Laura, you can go first, but what you loved most as a child or in school, what were your early sparks of joy? So I was always, we were actually just chatting before uh, the podcast officially started, but I was always that kid that got sent home with a report card that said, like, Laura's doing really well in school, but she talks too much in class. Or, you know, like, Laura's doing really well, but she's caught talking to her neighbor or something like that. So I think I've been a people person since a very early age. I've always gotten a charge out of like that one-on-one intimate setting communication with a person. And I totally love to laugh. So there's a good amount of laughter as a kid growing up in my house. Um, that was one of the pluses of my my family as when I was a kid. So yeah, I would say like that connection with other people and just talking and laughing too much have always been things that have been with me. Awesome. <laughs> yay! <laughs> yay, totally laughing! Like- Yes. I connect through laughter and yay. Yay. So, well, I'm the little girl that laughs too much in class, so we're going to (laughs) connect. Yes. And Stephanie, what were your early sparks of joy? Well, I have to say first that your laughter from both of you is contagious. And I so appreciate it because I need more laughter in my life. I was. Yes. (laughs) It's infectious. I was the quiet, introverted, didn't have much to say or much patience for kids my age. And my early sparks of joy were being outside. And I lived in a rural area where it was, we were just outside from daybreak until we got called in to go to bed and loved being outside, loved being with my animals and really felt grounded, connected and energized by my outside time. I love nature. I love when it comes up because it is so true that like little kids oftentimes that just feels they can just be themselves out in nature. And so I love it when people have that question or that's the answer for them for that question. Stephanie, do you want to tell us what it is that you do now? I am a (laughs) multi-passionate entrepreneur. I am a confidence coach for equestrians and athletes. I'm a certified centered riding instructor, and I own a small farm and a landscape business. And in my spare time, I like to be creative and make art. That is awesome. As the audience knows, we have quite a few multi-passionates that seem to come on the show, probably because I am also one and I can very highly resonate with people that have more than one thing that they want to do. So I love that you make time for creativity. That is not always something that people work in. It's an outlet for me. Mm -hmm. And both of my parents are very artistic. That's, (laughs) they have a bunch of side hustles and it's art for them. That's also how I connect with my mom. For me, it can even be as simple as coloring and it's super meditative. It gets Mm -hmm. me out of my head and more present. I love it. And Laura, what do you do now? I am an executive life coach. I work with professionals and super awesome people from all walks of life on mostly topics of balance and confidence. I My big umbrella is self-kindness. It's my bandwagon. I'm crazy passionate about it and 
And it's really come out of my own journey of, you know, going from that inner mean girl to actually being kind to myself and enjoying my life and finding happiness through that. So I love working with people and helping them do that for themselves. I am the indoor girl for Stephanie's outdoor girl. Like I was an indoor kid. I've been camping once in my life and it was like four years ago (laughs) and I'm 39. So I am totally the indoor yin to Stephanie's outdoor yang. (laughs) Yeah, we have a really interesting balance of things here too. Just because you guys both mentioned confidence. And then if I were to answer the question about what do I do as a coach, it's joyful living and like kind of this year I'm all about balance. So we've got like mm-hmm. confidence twice and balance twice and like mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Outdoors <laughs> twice for you yeah. guys, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But we do have a match on the kid that always was very, what, I'm a total extrovert. So I was also the kid at school that was like always chatting, wanted to be everybody's friend, like was very mm-hmm. genuine and very outgoing. <laughs> overwhelmingly outgoing oh that's cute that would be a cute name for a podcast too i mean you know you've got this great one but (laughs) yeah i'm off my cell phone but i say let's just roll like that's uh that's the way it goes especially because we're talking about imperfection right so right (laughs) so today we're gathering on this episode to talk about well, partly because we are all part of the courage and action telesummit yay which is (laughs) which is running September 12th through 22nd. We have Laura here, who is the founder of the Telesummit. And I would love it if you would tell us a little bit about the background of how you formed it and kind of the objective and, I don't know, any tidbits and juicy gossip you have about it. (laughs) Juicy gossip. (laughs) I'll start there. Yeah. Um, so this is the second year of the Courage in Action Telesummit, and it started last year in 2015 when uh, several women who had graduated in 2014 from the Courageous Living Coaching Certification Program, uh, we were all on a marketing call together with the leader of the program, who is Kate Courageous, and really just brainstorming ways to, you know, kind of get our names out there and, and start getting some publicity and do something exciting. So a few of us from the 2014 graduating year started this telesummit and we reached out to some other folks in the field that we really admired and looked up to and whose message that we wanted to share and co-promote. And we had an amazing telesummit in 2015. And this year we are bringing in the 2015 grads and we're doing it again. And it's bigger and better. We've got more courageous conversations this year than we had last year. We've got amazing women that you're going to hear from. We've got amazing guests that we've invited to join it and super excited. It's launching in just a few days on the 12th. So awesome. And are there 12 of us that are helping facilitate the conversation? Yeah. So yeah, it's facilitated by 12 courageous coaches, courageous living coaches. And we've invited several other guests to join us. So folks that we just really love whose work that we want to share and, you know, maybe exposed to a different audience and, and really, you know, who couldn't use a little more courage in your life. And it's so great. You know, this is now my second year. So I've done about half a dozen of these interviews and it's so exciting to hear everyone's story of courage because everybody has one. And I don't think that people walk around thinking like, wow, this was a really courageous thing that I did, or, you know, here's this courageous moment in my life or this moment in time. And 
And sometimes it is just a moment in time. One of the people that I spoke with for this year's Telesummit, just the timing of our interview was the day after, you know, a really tough one of those, you know, big newsmaking events that happened very close to her home. And I just found it so courageous that she still showed up to have a conversation. And, and we touched on that in the interview. But, you know, everybody's got their own story of courage. And, you know, we like to say that courage isn't always found on top of a mountain. It doesn't mean bungee jumping or jumping out of a plane. Sometimes it's just getting out of bed and doing it again the next day. Yes, that is so true. And I love what you've said because I, about courage and have everybody having a different kind of story about courage. Because I think one of the really inspiring things, having listened last year and then participated this year, is that it's even those little moments that can often be the most courageous and that there's something really inspiring about hearing other people talk about things in a courageous way. Because sometimes we don't honestly give ourselves credit for something as being courageous until we realize, oh, wait, yeah, I did that. And I guess that did take a lot of guts or courage or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, going through the process of doing this, it really, you know, it helps me look at some things and, and be like, you know, one of the questions, you know, spoiler alert, but one of the questions that you'll hear people speak to in the Telesummit is, you know, how do you practice courage? What is one of the most courageous things you've ever done? And you'll get to hear all of these examples. And you'll hear things from, you know, people who have lived and worked in the third world to, you know, I made a life-changing decision, but it really, when you think about it and you're on the spot like that, it really, my experience was it made me think about, oh, you know, I am going to kind of give myself that credit and I am going to say, this was courageous and, and I did this thing and I practiced courage in this way because you're right, Paul, we do, we just do what we're humans, right? Like we downplay everything about ourselves and it's much more comfortable to build up other people, but to actually have the opportunity to say like, ah, oh, this is really courageous. I did this and, and I'm going to own it in this moment. It's pretty cool. And I hope that somebody watching it gets that same experience of maybe taking a little credit for something that they weren't giving themselves credit for before. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and so to kind of celebrate the launch of Courage in Action and also kind of extend the conversation that I started to hear both in being interviewed and, and interviewing two of the guests was this real idea around what is the courage of being imperfect and, and like owning our imperfections. And so I know we kind of, I'll come out first and say, yeah, I know I, I have a lot of kind of perfectionist tendencies. And so I think one of the courageous things that I noticed in having these conversations was really the ability to drop some of that mask wherever it happened in our stories, in our lives, and, and start to own who was really behind that, that public facing or whatever mask that sometimes I know I put on. I don't know if you want to talk about how, where has perfectionism come up for you and, and maybe what has it, it felt like or what have you noticed about it in your world? So like today or do you want my whole life? Because <laughs> 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 wherever you want to start yeah, I think wherever it's yeah. funny that you just said mask and you guys have probably heard the story but when I sat in the room in California in January of 2014 and was getting to know the people that I would be going through coach training with I said almost that exact same thing that Paula just said you know if you really knew me you would know that I'm really scared to find out there's nothing underneath of all of this. Like there's nothing underneath this like persona or this image or, or whatever. And it was totally that image of perfection. And I can think of a very specific time in my life that was a long time ago, but I had this moment burned in my head of just having this feeling 
inside knowing that everything was wrong. Like I was in the wrong relationship. I was in the wrong job. I was, you know, driving the wrong car because it was too expensive. Like all of these things were just not right. And one of my friends saying to me just in, in the course of conversation, like not for any particular reason, well, you're probably one of the most together people, you know, one of my most together friends. I mean, you've got a good job and you're engaged and, you know, you've got your stuff together and all that kind of stuff. And me just like going with it in that moment, but inside my head thinking like, holy crap, like people are buying this, people are buying this. And that actually created much more fear and, you know, and not, I'm not blaming that conversation in any way, but it was sort of like, it was like a free pass, right? It was like a pass that, oh, oh, this mask is working and this perfection thing that you've got going on, like, cool, people are buying it. So let's just keep going with that. Like that must be the thing to do. And God, it's so not the thing to do. (laughs) So not the thing to do. Yeah, I'm just nodding in agreement because I don't, I mean, obviously we didn't have the same moment, but seeing you can get almost, I'm, I'm getting the sense like I felt like I could get away with a lot when I could put on that mask and then just kind of sit back and be like, people have no idea what's going on yeah. below that or behind that. Because I think that really, truly being courageous is being vulnerable. Like that mask is just, it's just fake. It's BS. Like it's meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. And and sure, it might look nice, and it's it's like the whole you know the the Facebook living and and that whole crafting the perfect social media image and all that. There's nothing courageous about that. Like all that is is I don't know. It's a mask, and for lack of a better word, but the the true courage comes in in looking at your imperfections and looking at your messiness, and then showing them to someone else. Like whoa, <laughs> like let's let's show this person who, by the way, is still one of my closest friends all of the imperfections. And, and this person has just told me that he, you know, his impression of me is that like, I'm one of the most together people in his life. And then for me to say like, you know, here's my overdraft statement. Um, I'm in an an unhappy relationship. I'm doing things I'm so incredibly not proud of. And, and for this person to still love me and and really love me even more. And, And we just had a moment recently where I shared something with him that I hadn't ever told him before. And he was like, I never knew that. And I was like, well, not proud, but there you go. You know, and the relationship is just so much higher quality now that I'm not shielding it behind that mask of perfection. I mean, that's really, there's a lot of vulnerability in that moment, a lot of faith in yourself. Um, And by the way, just so you know, my gut reaction when I heard you say there's a lot of vulnerability in that, like I almost just wanted to say like, I I really, I want people to know, like it's not always comfortable. Like even when you've lived this way for a number of years and you can like, quantifiably say my life is is tangibly better now and like all of these reasons and here let me give you my list of reasons like it still makes me like go like don't want to do it like it just it just is and and it's still worth it you know and I'll still make the choice to do it but my gut reaction is still like and how about for you Stephanie well I've been nodding my head the entire time because (laughs) everything that Laura has said resonates completely and for me, it's really shown up as people-pleasing. It's been very interesting to identify those patterns and start to work with being okay with not being perfect, with not pleasing everybody, and realizing that I can't make anybody happy if I'm denying myself all the time. And that mask is really interesting because even this year, I've had I had three people in one week 
say something to me about how confident I was and that they wished that they could be as confident as me. And luckily two of them were over the phone and one was in person and like my jaw dropped and they're like, what was that face? And I'm like, I'm caught. You want to be like me? And I realized that I, my mask was that I am super confident. I know a lot. I get a lot done and that I don't feel the way I represent myself. And that that disconnect, the fear of being imperfect, of not being able to please everybody is what's been holding me back. That I'm not being true to myself, that it's all this effort to be something for somebody else. And the embracing, owning, and then embracing, and then working with who I really am and being proud of who I really am has made a huge difference. I, I love that one of your focuses is confidence because it sounds like it's, there's really that dance of feeling confident in who you are and then helping other people to get comfortable in that space. Like it seems like it's probably, well, and knowing from experience, it's oftentimes a dance of, yes, I'm extremely confident of who I am. And then sometimes not so much. Yes. We, we teach what we need to learn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly what I was just about to say. I'm like, well, you know, we teach what we most need to hear. I mean, yes. I'm going to assume that you guys are with me on this when you've been on the phone with a client and you're hearing your words coming out to them and thinking like, oh, gosh, these are the words that I need to hear right now. They're just coming out, you know, aimed at this other person. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. It was always kind of a shock. <laughs> And you're like, oh, wow, this just got all meta on me right here. (laughs) Right. Well, and I love, Stephanie, you also mentioned the perfectionism piece of it. And I think you said something along the lines of that it's really, there's fear at the heart of perfectionism. I don't know if you want to talk about that Mm -hmm. a little bit. That was kind of my next question of is what do you guys feel is at the heart of perfectionism? I think that it is fear. It's, you know, we may not recognize it at first glance, but that it's a fear of not being good enough, that it's a fear of somehow not being loved or appreciated or even heard. So that, you know, somewhere in our psyche has been impressed that something we did was not good enough. And now we're always trying to make up for it. And what I've seen both in myself and with my clients is that it's buried so deeply most of the time we don't even recognize it, that we have to kind of dig around for it. And that it's just become a way of surviving. It's become a pattern that we don't even know that we're living. And it it is that fear, that scared little person who didn't measure up once. And so now we feel like we're never going to measure up. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I think for me, and then Laura will check in with you too on it, but I think for me, the perfectionism piece was hiding something around it, kind of a loose idea of if they really knew who I was, I'd be asked to leave. Like Mm -hmm. I would be, I would have to go because if they really knew the inside, that wouldn't be acceptable for some reason, you know, it's probably a shame or a fear, or a fear of being ashamed, or something right. in there. But that's, yeah. <laughs> that's like where that, that emotion is sitting. And so, well, let's just be the good girl then, you know. Let's mm-hmm. just let's put on the perfection, because that means nobody would have to find out. 
Laura, what are your take? What's your take on what's at the heart of perfectionism? Oh, I was still hung up on people pleasing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that it's fear. And I think, you know, I I was nodding my head when Stephanie was talking about the people-pleasing side of it. And that's a big way perfectionism shows up for me as well. And for me, what's underneath of it is the fear that I won't have any value. If I can't be everything to everyone, then I have no value. Like, that's my role. That's what I do. And I have to be perfect at it. And if I'm not, then everybody's going to go away. Like there's not going to be anybody left. There's no value to me if I can't be perfect at all things at all times for all people. That's, I mean, it all comes back to fear. And and long before I ever started, you know, even on this coaching journey, I really came to terms with the whole, there's a, a school of thought that says that everything basically boils down to one of two things, love or fear. And the more I learn and the deeper I get, in this work and, and on this journey, I, I just believe that more and more. And it's totally fear that's underneath perfectionism. And the anecdote is, is love, which is expressed through vulnerability and connection. That's deep right there. <laughs> yeah, because I agree wholeheartedly. It's the love versus fear. I know a lot of people would say that it's love and hate, but I don't really think that hate Mm-mm. is the opposite Mm-mm. of love. Um, no, I don't either. I think it's indifference if you're talking about like the actual emotion. Yeah. But fear in the meta sense, you know, let's get all meta again. But yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I think it's love versus fear. I mean, I, and I think we're dancing around this idea of vulnerability and what and the role that it plays. Laura, I love that you just pulled through a line of love tying into vulnerability. I don't know if you want to say a little bit more about what you think there or how you feel about it, but I think there's something there's something courageous brewing in the love and vulnerability mm. equation. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, one of the most wonderful things is for me to now have this sense of security that I have in in relationships, be that, you know, like platonic and romantic, but to have that knowledge that my vulnerability has actually created more love in those relationships. It's it's deepened friendships. It's made them much more valuable than they ever have been. It's made my relationship with my spouse better. Um, you know, all things have changed through through that practice. But I really think that you have to, first of all, I think it's unbelievably courageous to practice vulnerability. I think it's probably one of the most courageous things you can do. And that's that's my lens. That's the lens through which I see the world because for me it was so counterintuitive. Like I had no... I had no schooling on that. I had no emotional foundation from my family of origin on how to be vulnerable. You know, like the the emotions in my household growing up were anger and laughter. Like those were the only two things that were acceptable and that I ever knew. And anything else was just genuinely a foreign concept to me. So it wasn't until my adult life that I started kind of learning about this whole vulnerability thing. And it wasn't until well into my thirties that I started practicing it. So to me, Starting that and and getting a little vulnerable with somebody that you trust, and I can't emphasize that enough. Renee Brown says it best, somebody that's earned a seat at your table. But practicing that with them is one of the most self-loving things that I think you can do. And as long as you're choosing the right people and you're being selective about where you share your vulnerability, which is also a big tenant of of Renee Brown's work, and I think of just you know practicing this this way of living in general when you're selective and you choose the right people, you're going to be met with so much love, like love that you can't even imagine until you dip your toe in that place. 
Yeah, and it really it really is a practice because I think it what you're saying also ties so nicely into what what Stephanie was saying around confidence that you're the teacher but also the student in the same moment. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying when you're being vulnerable, you're also inviting them to be the same with you. Mm-hmm. It gives them permission. You know, you're you're kind of setting the stage. You're showing them that it's safe to to be that way and and to reciprocate that. But first, you got to have the courage to do it yourself, and you've got to. You've got to love yourself enough to want to go to that place. Stephanie, do you have something you would like to add about that, the vulnerability part of the equation? Again, I was just nodding my head the entire time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Chewing on the being the model in that having the courage and the love to be vulnerable and showing that to somebody else and giving them permission and the container to try it on themselves and how part of what I heard in the interview process for courage in action was how we can mark those instances for ourselves so that when we're faced with a challenge or we recognize that we're not showing up the way that we want to show up as our most powerful and true selves, that we remember those instances. We give ourselves credit for those places where we were vulnerable and we showed up and what happens, the transformation that's possible because we were vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm getting this sense here that what you're observing is it's both a gift, right? It's a gift to yourself to be vulnerable. It's a gift to someone else that you've dropped the mask and you've invited them in to do the same. But I'm also hearing, I think, Laura will will want to jump in on this one too, but like there's also this incredible gift of compassion and kindness and love of self that like that is that's where the courage starts bubbling before you can even go forth and say to someone else, hey, let's be vulnerable with each other or or Mm -hmm. hey, this is how I'd like to be treated. I mean, that's not really maybe where it's coming from, but it is kind of that invitation. So I love that compassion and kindness just got brought in kind of. I mean, it's part of the love thing, right? But it's also like kind of this really lovely little side, you know, the sidecar of love is just driven up. Well, oh and I God, think I love that. That. the sidecar of love is just driven up. We need a I t-shirt. Like uh, <laughs> love sidecar. That's a band name. Love sidecar. Now taking the stage. Well, and the other thing, Paula, that I think that just resonated for me was that For those of us who have trouble with the idea of loving ourselves, that starting with being kind or compassionate for ourselves, with ourselves, sometimes can feel easier or more palatable or a little bit more that we can wrap our heads around it. Mm -hmm. Because for, for me, for instance, when I went to the January introduction of 2015 Courageous Coaching Program, and everybody was talking about love, I was internally making this face. Like, I can't stand it. I can't, I can't go there. And where I started was being kind to myself, you know, that I was brave enough to go on this wild adventure to try this out to just show up. But if I'm going to show up, I need to show up. Because what I get out of the experience is what I allow myself to put into the experience. So if I'm going to block it because I'm uncomfortable with this idea of self-love, 
then maybe I can just start with being kind and give my per- myself permission to see what happens if I start there. Ooh, and I love that that kind of, I mean, I, there's a great through line there with the kind of the courage and imperfection because, I mean, the kindness there that you displayed went so far as you saying, I don't have to be perfect, right? Like perfection maybe mm. is I got to love myself or it's nothing, right? Like I think you right. go often supposed to do that. Like, well, if I can't love myself, it's nothing, right? Like we're done. We're done here. Go. <laughs> but you said, okay, where's the common ground? I want this. I want this for myself. I want to be vulnerable or I want, I want to at least partake. Maybe if you didn't know those words yet, but I, I want to be a part of this. So one of my friends, Christy, likes to say, how can I just be 10% more kind to myself today? Right? Like, mm-hmm. right. Even if it's, even if it's just incremental, like just a little bit, we don't have to go all the way. We can just go a little bit. So I love that you just, that you reflected on that moment, Stephanie, a powerful that you, you made the first baby step. And that was in fact enough. That was enough. Mm, yes. I think it can kind of be the gateway to, you know, maybe if like courage is feeling out of reach, right? Like, and I think Stephanie's example just illustrates it beautifully. Like it was a really courageous thing for her to do to fully show up in that space where her initial reaction was kind of like my like vulnerability reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Like she's making the internal face of like, all these people talked about self-love. This isn't comfortable for me. You know, the courageous thing to do is to show up and be all in and all that. But how do you get there? There's something between that internal feeling of uncomfort or uncomfortable, you know, reaction, and then the courageous step to actually show up. And, and it, the bridge is really being kind to yourself. And the bridge is, I love that, you know, how can I just be 10% more kind to myself? You know, what's, how can I be kind to myself through this process? I have a sticky note hanging up from my 2014 year that's still in my house that says, I will love myself through this process. So like, how can I be kind to myself through this process, through my discomfort to allow my discomfort but to not let my discomfort be a roadblock. How can I be kind to myself as I'm working towards taking this courageous step as showing up? Like, I think that's sort of, it can be a really powerful bridge to get to the courageous thing. Oh, yeah, I like that a lot too. And acknowledging that even facing any level of discomfort for yourself, I mean, that threshold could be any number of places for people. So I love that you guys both spoken into that kind of, like you said, the internal face of like, what is this? Mm -hmm. But then once you've seen that or heard that in yourself, like just saying, okay, but this is, but this is good and we are okay and we can stay here even if it's just for a little bit of time, like whatever this discomfort is, we can do this for a minute or two minutes or five minutes. For me, it's what helps me to not, my immediate reaction is like, okay, so I'll have this reaction of vulnerability. And then I'll go straight into judging myself for it. Like, oh, how can you still be doing that? Why is that still your story? Why is that still your reaction? And being kind to myself looks like honoring the fact that it's okay that that's still my reaction and I can keep moving forward. So being kind to myself means not judging myself for having a normal human response and also allowing myself to not let that response just be my truth, to let that response be part of my process and to be open and to not let it stop me to, to not show up for an experience. Yes. <laughs> yes, bravo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you get the standing ovation on that one, Laura. Yeah. Well, and there does take a little bit of self-awareness, but I, but yeah, there's a lot of power in 
and being okay and letting the kindness just lead the way and extending the kindness just a little bit further, maybe each time, you know, so that you, you, you'll get there, right? Yeah, you'll totally get there. And really, like, yeah. for me, the, the life-changing thing was just not immediately judging every thought, feeling, or reaction that I ever have and to just start allowing it. And that's a really big self-kindness practice and self-compassion practice to just be okay with however I am in the moment. And then suddenly, once you're okay with it, it's much easier to look at it differently. It's much easier to look at alternate options or see outside of the box or, or whatever. But it all starts with that that kindness of just saying, like, it's okay. It's okay that you feel this way. Like, it's cool. We know this feeling. We got this. And, and let's see what else happens if this feeling doesn't stop us. And I love that that's just kind of like probably the very beginning of accepting that imperfection might be okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's the very big out. <laughs> exactly. Like, if you can't get all the way there. And I think that's really hard because I think the people-pleasing and the perfectionism piece plays so strongly, especially in so many, I would say, women, because I don't know mm-hmm. the male experience, but just the kindness as the gateway then to, like, being, okay, maybe this will be all right if my life isn't Pinterest-worthy completely. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I think that that does come up. Why don't we talk a moment since the show is about joy? I, I don't know where this may lead, but it could be interesting about the intersection of joy and imperfection. So what becomes more possible when we have the courage to be imperfect? I don't think we can have a conversation about all of these imperfections and, and vulnerability and courage and all these things without, and I know I've said Brene Brown like 18 times, but I'm going to make it 19. <laughs> and I, I fully buy into the like generally what her research has shown in that you can't selectively mute your emotions. So by putting up this shield and this mask of perfectionism to show that everything is okay and to not experience the full range of emotions and to not process grief or sorrow or, or truly delve into joy, you're, you're preventing all of those things at a certain level. Like sure, you're going to you know have some laughs and, and feel a little sad some days, but it's not going to be, the full power of the emotions, the full weight of them. And and once you dive into that imperfection and you start working with it and embracing it and, and honoring it and, and being vulnerable with it, your joy is exponentially more joyful. Your, you know, sometimes your pain is exponentially more painful, but you know and you learn that the pain is temporary and the joy will return and you start to develop this trust in yourself that you can move through the feelings and you can be in pain and the next day feel that joy again. I mean, joy is amplified by, by just being your imperfect self, by just being real. You know, I think really the gift of, of sharing your imperfections is you get to be real at the core who you are. You're not living with that mask out in front of you and you experience joy on a whole different level. Stephanie, do you, do you want to jump in or? My quick thought, and and this is basically what Laura said, was that when we are busy working on being perfect, we deny ourselves the ability to be joyful, to be happy. We're so busy being perfect that we can't possibly be happy or feel joy. And I think that when we really start operating is who we more from the core, more from the heart, less from the brain that we vibrate at a higher frequency 
And that's where the happiness starts to infiltrate where we're at and we become more joyful creatures. And that just expands on itself. But I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And something that was hitting me as you guys are talking is that perfectionism in some ways is an extremely isolating practice because it is such a mask. So if anyone, if you let too many people in, they'll find out that that isn't really Mm -hmm. who you are. So there's that danger. But and and that thing goes as far as even your home or your, you know, your entertaining. Like if you have people over or not, because I, I don't know. It just it made me think of something I'd seen someone posted on scruffy entertaining, and like <laughs> it was this great article about how these people who they had let go of perfectionism, but they still wanted to have people over, and so really the invitation was like. Once a month, it would just be an open door policy. It was potluck. And so lots of times you would bring the, the half eaten leftovers from the night before, but there was always a feast. That was the point. That was this mm. amazing, joyful feast based on the abundance that was already there. And nobody brought with them the mask, right? Like, but it was one of the most joyful gatherings. And I think the person had passed on that started it. And so that was really the remembrance was like this really beautiful event that came out of everyone being willing, willing to perfectionism, just even for a night, once a month. <laughs> well, and the question that I have started asking myself when I recognize that I'm behaving in a way of perfectionism or people pleasing is, how am I holding myself back? And what I've really found is that I'm not experiencing fully life. And a lot of times there's a lot more joy if I experience it instead of trying to manipulate it. Mm. Yes. Another standing ovation. <laughs> yeah, I am like, <laughs> that, one, that one went right to the soul, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah, I'm, yeah. when I'm experiencing life instead of trying to manipulate it, I'm like, oh, oh, I do that. Um, well, yeah, I think we can just rest there. I think those were so well stated. Thanks, you guys. That's, yay. <laughs> like, I'd be like, mm-hmm. yep, there, there we have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> life um, fixed. <laughs> yes, life has been fixed. We can we can move along now. Um, well, so, so let's talk about if people that are listening have started to get a sense for kind of the kinds of conversations and the deep topics that I know are being explored in the Telesummit. How would somebody sign up for it? Where can they go to get more information and hear us continue this conversation? For 11 days of courage delivered straight to your inbox, you literally only have to do one thing. Go to courageinactiontelesummit.com. Sign up and you'll get the emails you're going to hear from. It's incredibly inspirational. It's going to make you feel better about choices you've already made. It's going to help inspire you to make more courageous choices in your life. And you're going to meet a lot of awesome people right in your inbox. I mean, it doesn't get much easier. Awesome. And I will link that up in the show notes. And then let's jump to the last two questions. And Laura, since you, since you jumped at the balance thing, let's, we can go first with you on this one. What does balance look like for you and how do you maintain harmony in your life? Balance to me looks like boundaries. And I've had so many conversations with people. There's something in the air in 2016. It is the year of boundaries for so many people. And I don't mean just, you know, this is how I expect to be treated kind of boundaries. I mean, protecting my time boundaries. I mean, prioritizing myself boundaries. I mean, not overscheduling, overbooking, overcommitting, you know, really just, I need some space 
in in my life. I need to not have every second scheduled, which is kind of my my default. I tend to be one of those tightly wound women that people warn you about. So learning through trial and error and, and really just allowing space and, and saying no to some things, even if it means disappointing people. Sorry, mom. <laughs> That's really how balance shows up for me. I have a pretty full life and it's an active practice, but I believe so strongly in it, it falls, you know, balance to me is a big part of being kind to myself and, and practicing self-kindness because if I let it get out of control, I will get overwhelmed and I'll get snappy and I, I don't like how I show up and I start angering easily, looking for someone to blame, you know, all the like the easy things when you don't want to look at your own stuff because you know that you've kind of fallen into an old pattern. And it happens, you know, right? I'm human. Everybody's human. It happens. But I'm so, I've cultivated this awareness that now I know it. So I know that if I'm snapping at my husband about something silly that I'm like, ah, all right, I'm probably feeling a little overwhelmed. What do I need to look at? What do I need to do? How can I, how can I address this? So really balance for me is just awareness and some boundaries and making sure that I'm taking care of me. And Stephanie? What is balance looking like for you? It's a work in progress. I have to admit, I'd like to be more balanced. And what that really means is that I honor myself more, that I put myself first. And even when I say that out loud, I feel like I'm struggling with it, that I have a hard time believing that I said it out loud. Balance is really showing up for myself the way that I show up for my clients, giving myself the same permission, the same grace, the same space that I give other people. That just made my little heart all warm. I love that. <laughs> I love that like, to give yourself the same grace and the same space and the same, you didn't say this, but I'm going to insert it, the same compassion mm. that you give to other people to give that to yourself. And Stephanie, we'll start with you. What are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Jumpstart joy by getting outside, even if you're not an outside person. Um, nature amazes me daily, like how flowers bloom, even without water here in Connecticut and birds sing and stuff goes on without all of the entrapments of the human ego. And that makes me joyful because it reminds me that I can too move beyond that. Open up, share with people, help somebody help yourself. It's a mirror. It's reflective. And I get so much joy from even the smallest gift of my time and attention to somebody else and watching it magnify and spend a little time for yourself, reading, artwork, get out of your own head and learn something new every day. I want Stephanie's list. (laughs) (laughs) Do a random act of kindness. They're super fun. I did a whole project on it for a year in 2014. And I just did one today that was just so silly, but it made me, it like tickled me and it made me feel happy. So do a random act of kindness, start your day with ease and whatever that looks like for you. For some people, it looks like not hitting snooze. For some people, it looks like hitting snooze. For some people, it might be a yoga or a meditation or an exercise practice in the morning, but something, even if it's five minutes in the morning, you know, incorporate some ease into your morning routine somehow end your day with gratitude. When I'm laying in bed at night and I'm trying to fall asleep, I always try and think of three things that I am grateful for for that day. I I want Laura's list. All right, great. We can trade lists. Now you've got six ways. We can do all the things. Yes. 
right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, those are good. Thank you guys so much. It's been yeah. such a treat to have you on the show and I'm energized by our discussion around courage. So thank you for both having the courage and the vulnerability to show up here and just share so openly with everyone. Oh, thanks thank for having you. us. Thank you so much, Laura and Stephanie, for being a part of the show. I just, I really loved our discussion. And so many good takeaways. I was clearly blown away <laughs> to the point of speechlessness a couple of times for sure. And so I, I hope you guys all really loved hearing what we had to say about courage and imperfection and perfectionism. If you want to find out more about this particular episode, head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 55, and you can get all of the information there. Don't forget that Roots and Wings is now on sale, and Christy and I would love to have you join us for three months of growth and learning and really getting reacquainted with your, your inner landscape and what balance means to you. So be sure to go over to Jumpstart Your Joy and you can find the links right there on the homepage, along with the information for the webinar if you wanted to see us interacting and get a taste for what it's like to maybe have us as your instructors. I'm so excited because next week on the show, I have an interview with Tess Blankenship. And she and I are going to be speaking about the joys of creating or growing a virtual team and delegation, which is definitely something that hasn't been on the show before. And I'm really excited about talking about efficiencies and there's a little bit of project management in there. A lot of goodness to come on back for. So I hope I will see you guys next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.